All right, welcome to the uh, inaugural edition of Growing in Grace Together. I'm Joel Brzezinski. As you know, Cap and I, Mike Kaplan and I, we've got a regular Growing in Grace program that we record every week, and it appears on uh, Grace Walk, Internet Radio, and other sources around the Internet. And I thought I'd uh, do something different in addition to our Growing in Grace program. As I said, we're calling this Growing in Grace Together, where I thought I'd just get together with somebody and, and just have a great chat about what's going on in their life. And so for this inaugural edition, I got John Lynch with me. Now, you may know John Lynch as one of the authors, one of the co-authors of Bo's Cafe, also of uh, a book that was before that called True Faced, John Lynch along with Bill Thrall and Bruce McNichol writing those books. And so we're just going to have a really good chat here. I, I've read the book, Bo's Cafe, and I've taken, John, I've taken 20 million notes because <laughs> so so many things stuck out to me in this book. It's, it's, it's a fictional book, but it's more than just, all right, well, that's a neat story. Yeah. It's some real characters, uh, some real life situations, stuff that could happen in real life, and these people are are working things out in a way, man, that is not what you're necessarily going to find in many churches today. Yeah. So I'm kind of interested in hearing what you had to say about how all of this came together. At first, just a little bit about you, John. Uh, you, John Lynch. Thanks, you're, where are you from, man? You from Arizona? Yeah, I, I, I grew up in Southern California, and then my family moved to Arizona right before um, uh, I started high school. And my dad was a uh, Mensa atheist, and, and so definitely no faith background at all. And uh, I was teaching high school here in Phoenix at Arcadia High School, and the, I was a drama and English teacher, and the first play that I cast, a bunch of Young Life kids in there, I didn't know, and they would just stay with me after rehearsal and just told me about Jesus. And uh, December 23rd, 1979, I went, oh my gosh, somebody gave me a Keith Green album, and mm -hmm. somebody gave me a Bob Dylan Slow Train Coming album, and I just wept all day and said, okay, uh, <laughs> so maybe this Jesus that I've missed all these years and mocked all these years, he's real. And uh, I asked him into my heart. That was, golly, that's hard to believe. It feels like the dust hasn't settled yet. But <laughs> then I went off to seminary, and I have been at the same church for 116 years. <laughs> and uh, and I have a great family, three kids, uh, and, and my wife. We live in Phoenix. And so we, we wrote this book, Bose Cafe, kind of in a response to the book True Face that we wrote. True Face lays out the principles and truths and of grace and an environment of grace. How do you, not just grace is a theological word, but what is an environment of grace and how would we live that out? And after a while we realized we've got to give pictures, we've got to give a way of seeing, and that's only going to come through writing fiction. And so I'd done a bunch of plays before, written plays and such, but never written fiction. And so it took us about two, three years to say, how would we teach these truths that are so important? If you're off in Portugal or if you're in Omaha and you've got five, six people, you've got 20 people or 30 people or a church or a family, how would I live out an environment of grace where there hasn't been one? So we thought that was a hugely important work to do, and so we started creating characters and 
next thing we knew, we had this book called Bo's Cafe. Right, and, and I'm looking at the the product description for True Faced, and and of course that's as you say that's the book that came before Bo's Cafe. Yeah. Uh, it says I, I really like this here. Maybe this can help us jump into the Bo's Cafe book. But it says if we have to act like we've got it all together then we aren't being real. Yet so often we as Christians try to earn God's favor by putting on a show, hiding our true selves in the process. But with God's grace, we don't need to live like that. In this book, the authors help us realize that the most powerful source of relational defeat is the attempt to hide our unresolved sin issues, keeping us immature and limiting our influence. An astonishing life begins as we start living as God sees us standing with him to work on our issues together. And so I do see that happening in, in Bo's Cafe. You see what all of what I just read there. You see that beginning uh, to be lived out by the characters in the book. And I really I really like how the characters develop and how they're real. You know, the uh, main character, Stephen, who, he's got some real-life issues, some problems in his yeah. marriage. And, uh, and what I noticed, you know, one thing that sticks out to me, in the church today, a lot of times, the, the way that we go about trying to resolve issues... We hear, you know, a sermon preached every week. You got maybe five principles to become a better husband. Uh, six ways seven. to it's never five. It's always seven. Seven ways yeah. to control yeah, to control your anger. Uh, how to overcome pornography addiction, all that type of thing. And then everyone's left to go ahead and, and just go to try to work on these uh, principles, work on these things, you know, in a non-relational type of sense. And here, I think what you, what we've got going on at Bose Cafe is that. We've got some people that come along to try to help Stephen, and they're not giving him all these principles for living. They're they're trying to dig into his life and, and helping him. They're they're trying to you know find a way that they can get into his life so that they can have a real genuine, authentic, healthy relationship with him. And, and I think it begins Absolutely. with that. Well, and that that's so well said, Joel. And in fact, we write in the book that what most people are doing is you describe the seven steps or the five steps to overcome, overcoming your anger, and then we tell them, now go do that. And it's like the kid swimming in the pool who's slow, and his mom's yelling at him during a race, go faster! And he, <laughs> I mean, he's, it's like he wants to stop in the middle of the pool and go, oh, okay, hey, thanks, that's what I needed. No, yeah. somebody has to stand next to me and walk with me in learning how to swim. So, so we make this statement. Andy says to Stephen when they're on the boat, and you probably remember this. He says it's a, like an elaborate game of whack-a-mole. Moles <laughs> pop out of holes, and you whack them with a mallet. You score points on how many moles you can whack in a certain amount of time. You're going along just fine for a while, racking up lots of points, but then the game starts speeding up, and we think we fixed the behavior, and then four more critters pop out. Eventually, we're spending our entire time whacking moles. Therapists put their kids through college, teaching us how to hit the little rodents quicker. And then he says, but no behavioral mallet can hit the shame that triggers the lie that releases the mole. And so we, our big deal in this book is, is to be able to say, and this is a powerful component of grace, and it's a powerful component of identity, but a lot of us are still, even though we've got the grace thing right, we're doing it, trying to do it in isolation. And so we make this statement, what if there was a place that was safe enough where the worst of me could be known and I would discover that I would be loved more, not less, in the telling of it? Right. Yeah, talk about oh, yeah. This, this safe place, because that is, that is a big theme in the book where... 
you know, uh, I think a lot of people don't feel that they have a, a safe place to go because they start if they if they open up about the junk that's going on in their life, and everybody has that junk. And you know, it's as the book also makes a good point that a lot of people we we hide that and we mask it and we try to, you know, act like it's not really there. We try to present ourselves as the person that we wish we would be, but and so when we do realize that we got issues to deal with, we don't feel that there's a place we can go to open up because hey, uh, we're going to start stinking up the place and people aren't going to want to be around us. And and what a travesty because God says, look, I, I came to take away condemnation. The, the God of the universe sees John Lynch with all of his muck and junk and sees Joel with all of his stuff that isn't fixed yet or finished or hasn't grown from the inside out yet. And he says, I'm crazy about him. Mm. I'm absolutely crazy about him. And that's, that, that there is a misperception that somehow I'm supposed to bluff like I'm doing okay. And I'm not okay. I... I on this earth, John Lynch is never going to be together, ever. And, and not one single person that you and I know will ever be together on this planet. We're a walking set of contradictions and confusions, and we still got this stuff that we carry around, and broken, shame-filled, whatever. And all I need is a place that will say, isn't this crazy? We were created with weakness so that we could be loved. And, and yet most of us try to walk around pretending he loves the process of meeting needs. And if that's true, then I have to let you know my needs to be loved. Otherwise you can respect me or admire me, but if I'm gonna let you love me, I'm gonna have to let you know my needs so you can uh, meet my need and stand with me in it with God. And, and most of the church, most of what we see around us is people pretending that they're doing fine. Where it's like we're all walking around with this mask on saying, I'm doing fine, doing fine, how are you? <laughs> well, we're fine, we're just doing great. And inside, we're hurting. And what the, the, the terrible secret that's been kept from us that would free us, the beautiful secret actually, is that if I could find a place where people believed in the grace of God and its power, that I could tell the worst about myself and find out that people have been waiting all along to say, gosh, now I get to stand with you. Now I get to love you. Yeah, and and so in Bo's Cafe, I see that uh, the the characters at Bo's Cafe, the people at Bo's Cafe, they understand they understand this about Stephen that he is—he's one of those people who has lived his, his life putting on these masks, uh, not being real, thinking he's got his issues worked out. But yep. uh, and then and then so they need to, or, or what they attempt to do with with their new friend Stephen is to they try to get inside him and try to help him to work out these issues. And so it's 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 a messy thing. It can be oh, a man. really messy thing. And and that's I think one reason why it's it's hard to to really find a lot of that because I think a lot of people aren't willing to be messy. But these characters, these you know Andy and everyone, they're willing to put up with Andy's messy junk or with uh, Stephen's messy stuff so that they can help him to get into this healthy, safe place where he could be finally be real with people. Absolutely, absolutely. That's so well said. And and and, and it is grace is messy. But I'd rather have a place of messy individuals than a place of hidden, tidy-looking individuals. Right. Because, because the power of sin lies in hiddenness. 
And so all of us, we look good and we look clean, we look tight, look like we're on our game, but we're a mess. And we're, we're either full of anger, full of resentment, full of jealousy, full of hidden shame and things that we're doing that we don't want to be doing. And when it can come to the light, it loses its power. And so these guys, you know, I love Carlos because Carlos is a guy who used to be a f- fake pastor. I right. Mean, those pastors of a mega church, and he was just bluffing. And so now he's just able to give all the time in the world. And if you notice in the book, nobody's in any hurry to give answers and try to fix Stephen. Yeah. They're just, they're, all they're trying to do is try to create a safe enough place so when Stephen's ready, he'll give them access. Yeah, and, and I know when yeah. when Stephen realizes that okay, I think these these people really do want to help me, uh, but he gets to a place where he's thinking, all right. So if if Andy wants to help me and these people want to help me, how come they're not starting to get to work on on my issues? How come they're not dealing with my with my anger issues? How come they're not trying to fix me? Yeah, and he gets to that place and. He doesn't realize that, indeed, they're going through a process. They're trying to help him to realize that it's not a quick fix. It's not a, it's not a, a tech. There's no technique that's going to work. I think Andy uh, says to Absolutely. him, I don't have a technique with you or something like that. He says, I don't have a plan. That's exactly right. I don't and, have and a plan. And he says, have you noticed that things that you try to fix don't stay fixed? It's like a slinky that's bent. You can straighten it out all you want. It's not going to get fixed. And, and so nobody gets fixed by technique. But if I can break the power of shame, if I can stand with you, and in the breaking of the power of shame, simply by letting you be known, simply just by having a place that's safe enough where the worst of me can be known, the power of shame and that fake self-story of either grandiose or... Uh, pitifully uh, not enough can start to be evaporated and I can see my identity as Christ in John Lynch right? instead of instead of John Lynch the guy who always messes up or John Lynch the guy who's posturing like he's somebody greater than who he is and that gift that a body can give it's the missing it's the missing diamond in the body of Christ it, we we're, we're in a decade right now where we're starting to talk about grace and we're starting to be intolerant of anything that is moralistic or legalistic that appeals to the flesh. But, we're, but so many of us are still doing it from the head and not from the heart. Mm-hmm. We're still not letting others in. I mean, if, if it's true that knowledge can just puff up, but truth has to come through the heart, that which gives me wisdom and discernment and insight and life. Well, for that to happen, I have to trust another person. I, I can give you information all day, but unless you trust me, to the degree that you trust me is the degree that you'll let me influence you with truth. And that's that truth that begins to penetrate those dark, weird, strange things from my past or things from my relationship that keep shooting me in the foot. So to have growing relationships, it's risky, but to have that is such a powerful thing. I had this woman who read the book and she said, you know what, I've been a phony for so long. She says, I'm in this Christian world, but I drink myself to sleep every single night and nobody knows. I black out. And she says, today, after reading this book, I went and found 
some friends of mine, and I went to buy him shrimp in a restaurant. <laughs> said, right, like in the book. Gonna, yeah, we're going to start my <laughs> our own Bose Cafe. And I went, oh my gosh, she's going to be healthy. That, that precious woman is going to be healthy because she's going to find a group of people. And they'll let her down. They'll fail. They'll do it wrong. They'll be clumsy. But the magic of us risking God in the center of authentic, vulnerable relationships, her life will never be the same. And that's 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 to what I like too about Carlos and about Andy and uh, and everyone else. They're not putting on some pretend show like, hey, we've we've got all the answers for you, and and we're gonna you know we're gonna work on you, Stephen, and and we're gonna do everything right. They admit to him freely. And to each other, they say, you know, we mess up. This isn't going to always be pretty. Uh, we we might uh, steer you the wrong way uh, sometimes. We might not do everything perfectly. We're not going to do everything perfectly. But here, as a body, we're going to, as a group of people, as a group of friends who are getting to know each other and trust one another, learning to trust one another, we're going to help each other to work through some of these things rather than it just being, all right, I got the answers, now you go work on them. Hey, we're we're just going to work through this perfectly because there's no such thing. And I think the the characters in the book have been through that. Apparently, it, it, you can tell that Absolutely. in their past they've been through those things, and they realize, you know what? There's you know Carlos as the perfect pastor, you know, as that fake pastor, you know, right. up in front of his his congregation every week, and he comes to the realization. He says, you know, I'm up here preaching this stuff, and I'm looking down at my congregation. I just see the sad faces, uh, you know, the sad looks on their faces, and they're like, don't give me more stuff to do. And and so I think Carlos has been through his own process where he's realized, I need not to just, not to give information, like you were saying. Not you know, And it can be even good information. It can be great information. But until you get out there and live it with people and accept them and all their junk and uh, and accept one another with, with all the stuff that they're doing, then you can start to really, you know, get into the, the really practical living out of grace that's exactly right it's and in the magic of that is there's power in it I, I i mean when we send people out from church and say well that's what the bible says now go do it and they're going uh okay help me help me i don't know how to do it and the, the, the presumption that there are a few magic men or magic women who get this better than the rest of us and they will always be our mentors, and they will always be our saviors. There aren't any. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've been around long enough now, you've been around long enough to discover we're all fighting this fight and, and running this race, and we're limping, and we're heroically trusting Christ to, to have our lives get healthier and have this next generation be healthier. But the presumption that I learn something in isolation and then I come and fix you in and, and help you, and I'm always the helper. I have to have people all around John Lynch to stand with him. And there, and sometimes, and, and we show this at the end of the book, if you remember with the car, sometimes Stephen ends up being Andy's protector. Hmm. Sometimes, mm-hmm. if, if all that ever happens is that Andy is helping Stephen, you just kind of have this Gnostic relationship. But if somewhere Stephen goes, man, you've let me love you enough, Andy, then I know some of the things that threaten to bring you down, and I want to protect you in those. Now you have something real. Now you have something that can be replicated. So our, our dream is that real, flawed, 
messed up, goofed up, average, normal people would find each other through this book and say, you know what, either through a small group or through a family or through a church or through a business, we're going to create a Bose Cafe where the worst about me could be known and I would discover that I'd be loved more, not less than the telling of it. And just that alone would start to break my shame that would allow me to enjoy this health. That's, that's, our, that's our entire desire. What if you're in Waskegon or Sioux Falls or Shreveport and you want to have such an environment of grace? Is it possible? Can I really ever in my lifetime have such a thing? And we're trying to prove through that book, yeah, all of us can. And so I do, yeah, uh, I do recommend to anybody listening, the the Boas Cafe book, you're going to find, and, and as I was reading the book, I, as I mentioned, I was taking millions of notes because there is a lot of neat little one-liners, a lot of... Uh, a lot of good information, but really it, it, it gets the mind to thinking that, you know what, there are people around me, or, or maybe I need to go find some people that I can begin building this type of a relationship with. Not just going to meet together with people and talking more information, but hey, let's get into each other's lives and, and let's realize that there's none of us among us who is, who is superior. There's nobody that has all the answers, but uh, through one another uh, we can help one another to get through this thing called life and and not just get through it but live a uh, you know the the life of grace and the abundant life that Christ you know came to give us and and so i think what you're saying is that through relationships and through working all this out together that's where we find that type of life but not through isolation well and it's and you also have to trust you know if you remember in here stephen talks about grace and cynthia says to him that we have this fear that if we trust grace, it's going to let us down. And, and so she says, grace is a gift only the non-religious can accept. They're the ones who can get it. They're the only right. ones who can use it. Religious folks see grace as soft, so they keep trying to manage their junk with their own willpower and tenacity. Nothing defines religion quite as well as a bunch of people trying to do impossible tasks with limited power while bluffing to themselves that it's working. Mm. And, and so to find that place, to find that place where I no longer have to bluff and I can say, really, is grace strong enough? If you live in me, God, if your nature's within me, could I really trust you that you can mature me from the inside out? Right. So, so, so we finally come to that place where we talk about this awakening, awakening to the pain of not being able to control my world and my life issues, and I realize I'm not even working on life issues, I'm working on symptoms without the help of others. When someone gets to that place, it's a beautiful moment, because they realize it's not working. I, it's, I haven't been able to do it, and, I, and I'm not going to be able to do it in 10 more years. And these things now that are sort of hard are going to start to define my life and affect my children and my wife. Oh my gosh, I need to find a Bose Cafe where others can stand with me and uh, help me uh, start seeing these issues melt away as I realize that I get love more, not less than the telling of them. Yeah, I like how Stephen comes to the place where he, he, he sees that, you know, I, I've been defined by all these things, by grace, or, or not by grace, by shame, by my position, by my anger, 
and all of these things. And he comes to see, you know what, it's, it, it's got to be, I, I'm no longer going to be defined by these things, but rather by Christ in me, by the, by the life of God that's in me. Carlos had helped him to see that early in the book. He said that Andy told him uh, that, or uh, Andy, Andy was the first dude I ever met who, <laughs> who had more confidence in the grace of God than in the power of the crap I was dragging around. And, you know, I love Amen. that. And so that's, you know, that's really a good foundation for the book. It's just the, the power of, of God in the lives of us, no matter what kind of junk we've been carrying around. Well, John, uh, this is Joel Brzezinski. This is the Growing in Grace Together program, and my guest here, John Lynch. John, it's been a thrill to talk with you. I've been looking forward to this to a long time, and I sure appreciate you taking some time to talk about your life and about the Bose Cafe book and everything that's going on in there. So th thanks a lot for taking some time with me today. Joel, it has been an honor, and uh, I just thank you for the time. It's been a blast, and, and I hope the people who listen to the show pick up the book and, and walk through it. And by the way, send them on to BoseCafe.com because it's where we keep the conversation going. Every week I write a new conversation with the characters. So once you're done with the book, you go, oh, what about this? What about this? And so we just... All the people who've read the book, just get on BoseCafe.com, and that's where we, we have podcasts on there and all sorts of things to where you can just keep the conversation going. All right. Well, that's good. That's uh, some a good place for people to go. I've been there. I've been uh, visiting BoseCafe.com, and it really is a, a, a definite, uh, you know, when you get done reading the book, hey, you know, there's more to this, and let's let's yeah. keep the conversation going. So BoseCafe.com. Well, thanks a lot, John, and it's Thank good talking to you. Take care.